Our children are welcome to gather in the foyer at this time for Treehouse, our children's worship option. But let me invite the rest of you to open up God's Word with me right here to the New Testament letter of Ephesians. We're in Ephesians today. And as we consider the grace of God that gives us a new identity in Jesus Christ, there is perhaps no better place to turn than this short letter, than Paul's letter to the Ephesians. What does it mean that we are in Christ? A phrase that Paul uses about 35 times in this short letter to the church in Ephesus. Or why the emphasis on Gentiles being members of God's family together with Israel? Therefore, sharing in the high position and certain promises for all who follow Jesus Christ. Together in Christ. That's the title of our new message series through Ephesians that we begin today. And as we lean into this particular book, as we lean into this portion of God's word, I'm confident that we'll see that our position in Christ determines how we should live in the world. Our position, our status, our identity, our our position in Jesus Christ as followers of Christ, as those who've been saved by the grace of God extended to us through the gospel of Jesus Christ, our position in Christ determines how we should live in the world and not the other way around. How how we live in the world doesn't determine our position in Christ, for if it did, the gospel would no longer be by grace. But it is. And praise God Almighty that it is. Praise God for His grace. Paul writes this letter uh, to the church in Ephesus. And he writes it while in prison, probably in Rome, about A.D. 62. And he writes to believers who are there in Ephesus at a time, at that time, a large port city on the western coast of modern-day Turkey. A place known for extensive paganism. Immorality and idolatry. A place devoted to worshiping the the Roman goddess Diana, also known as the Greek goddess Artemis, as well as home to the imperial cult. This is a place where the king was worshipped as a god. And so Paul is writing to the church there. He's writing to believers in that region. And he writes as one who's been there. In fact, Paul has lived there and preached Jesus there for About three years, according to Acts chapter 19, and as a result of Paul's presence there and his faithful proclamation of the gospel in that region, many throughout the region believed. And so predominantly Gentile house churches were birthed. Paul's been absent for more than seven years. During Paul's absence from that region, much has changed. Christians throughout the city are disunified and they are struggling to remain distinct from the broader pagan culture. They need to be reminded of God's power and God's grace. And they need to be reminded, the church there needs to be reminded of their role as God's redeemed in the world. And through Paul, God gives them such a reminder, a reminder for them and a reminder for us. This letter was sent by a courier, in this case Tychicus, and it circulated from house church to house church throughout the region of Ephesus, and upon receiving it, the church would gather and hear it read. And so this morning, we're going to hear 
this letter read. They would gather together and they would hear God's word read. And it sounded something like this. Ephesians chapter 1. Let me invite you to look at God's word. I'm going to allow you to remain standing this morning, but... We encourage you to open up a copy of scriptures, this text, it's a lengthy text, it's not on the screen, and so if you need a a Bible, there's uh, a pew Bible there in front of you, I think you can find this text on page 946, but let's hear the word of the Lord. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to God's holy people in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus. Jesus, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. With all wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. In him we were also chosen, having been Predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will. In order that we, who were the first to hope in Christ, might be for the praise of his glory. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal The promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance into the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body. The fullness of him who fills everything in every way. As for you, 
you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live, when you follow the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. Even when we were dead in transgressions, it is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Therefore, remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision, which is done in the body by human hands. Remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise without hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace, and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who are far away and peace to those who are near. For through him we both have access to the Father by one spirit. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and members of his household built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles, surely you have heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you. That is the mystery made known to me by revelation, as I have already written briefly. In reading this, then you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to people in other generations, as it has been revealed by the Spirit to God's holy apostles and prophets. This mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, and shares together in the promise in Jesus Christ. I became a servant 
of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. Although I am less than the least of all the Lord's people, this grace was given me to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery, which for ages past was kept hidden in God who created all things. His intent was that now Through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. In him and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. I ask you, therefore, not to be discouraged because of my sufferings for you, which are your glory. For this reason, I kneel Before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name, I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope, when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says when he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. What does he ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love. As each part does its work. 
So I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity and they are full of greed. That, however, is not the way of life you learned. And you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with their own hands that they may have something to share with those in need. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Follow God's example. Therefore, as dearly loved children and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But among you, there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality or of any kind of impurity or of greed because these are improper for God's holy people. Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk or coarse joking which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. For of this you can be sure. No immoral, impure, or greedy person, such a person is an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of such things, God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore, do not be partners with them. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light for the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth, and find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. It's shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret, but everything exposed by the light becomes visible, and everything that is illuminated becomes a light. This is why it is said, wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Be Very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil, evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with a spirit speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks To God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ.
submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In this same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for their body just as Christ does the church. For we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery. But I am talking about Christ and the church. However, each one of you must also love his wife as he loves himself and the wife must respect her husband. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Slaves, obey your earthly masters with respect and fear and with sincerity of heart, just as you would obey Christ. Obey them not only to win their favor when their eye is on you, but as slaves of Christ, Doing the will of God from your heart. Serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord, not people. Because you know that the Lord will reward each one of you for whatever good they do. Whether they are slave or free. And masters, treat your slaves in the same way. Do not threaten them since you know that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven. And there is no favoritism with them. Finally. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Pray also for me that whenever I speak, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. Tychicus, the dear brother and faithful servant in the Lord, will tell you everything so that you 
also may know how I am and what I am doing. I am sending him to you for this very purpose that you may know how we are and that he may encourage you. Peace to the brothers and sisters in love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with an undying love. And we give thanks to God this morning for the reading of His Word. Over the next several weeks, we're going to lean into this letter. We're going to unpack this letter. And as we do, as we trust God to lead us to hear and respond to His Word, I'm confident the Spirit will guide us in a number of ways. Number one, He's going to guide us to see God's supremacy. To see His supremacy. To hear and believe That the God of Scripture stands apart and above all rivals. Be they the gods of self-achievement and prosperity, of politics, of personal pleasure, of religion or superstition, or the false gods of Greek and Roman mythology, the dark spiritual forces of evil, or the most powerful human despot in all of human history. Paul says, finally, be strong in the Lord. And in his mighty power. Because he holds all the power. So may the Spirit guide us through the reading of his word to see God's supremacy. But also to see ourselves in the way that he sees us. To to remember that this God overall has given us a new status, a new identity, a new position in Jesus Christ. He will call us to remember our position. Remember your position both before Christ and without Christ, but also in Christ. Remember your position. You see, in this short letter, Paul makes much of our position in Christ. And our position in Christ contrasts rather sharply with our position before and without Christ. He makes that clear in chapter 2. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. Lost. Rebellious. Deserving of God's wrath, hopeless and defeated, that's what we were. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved, rescued redeemed, forgiven, chosen, adopted, and restored by the grace of the Almighty God through the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, given a new identity, a new and permanent status and position to live out as His people in the world. Friend, what's your position before God? What's your position before God? There are many classifications of separation in our day and in every day. Lean into football season once again. We'll know that rather clearly. Auburn or Alabama. Republican or Democrat. Vaccinated or unvaccinated. There are all sorts of dividing barriers. But the most significant barrier, and really the only barrier that matters for eternity, is are we in Christ or without Christ? Which camp are you in? Do you know the grace and peace of this God? Are you a recipient of God's rescuing love in Jesus Christ? Our position in Christ 
determines how we are to live in the world. So church, let's be a people who live for God's glory. Let's live for His glory. This is a letter that calls us rather clearly and consistently again and again and again to live not for ourselves, but to live for God's glory. Ephesians is a call to live for God's glory. No longer living for ourselves. The gospel is not really about us. And yet it includes us and it redefines us and it changes us for forever by God's amazing grace. And the right response Just as Paul concludes here, the right response to such amazing grace will always be a pure and simple and undying love for Jesus Christ. So grace to all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with an undying love. Oh God, help us to do so. Help us to know and to love you and to live for your glory. Father, help us to hear your Spirit's prayer for us through your word to love you and to live for your glory. Guide us in that way. Father, give us eyes to see, ears to hear, and faith to believe that we might lay our lives before you and follow hard after you, for you are worthy of our praise. Lord, remind us again, even now, of the grace that you extend to us in Jesus, lead us to respond accordingly. It's in the name of Christ our Savior we pray. Amen.